Bonner. Ah, welcome to BitFaced, a very special episode of BitFaced, an episode I've kind of wanted to do for a while here. Normally to my right is Tyler Glaze. He's going to be late today as always, so he'll be walking in here halfway. But we've talked to people that I've been gaming with my whole life uh, on the show, Uh, friends like Doug, friends like Brad, episodes you guys have loved. But today we're going to be talking to someone that I've been gaming with for actually my whole life, (laughs) For for my entire life. Uh, the person sitting across from me right now, obviously very special to me. I wouldn't be playing video games if it wasn't for this person. A lot of parents shy away, and they don't encourage their kids to play. Well, my father was the exact opposite. He always encouraged me. No matter what I was doing, video games just happened to be something I was good at. So, very honored to have today in the Bit Cave, my dad, Dr. Greg Hollis. Welcome. Hey, Eric. Thanks. I'm glad to be here. <laughs> Good, good to have you here, too. So not to make it sound like a, an age joke, even though there will be many of those, as you know, our relationship goes, but you are from a time where video games did not exist, and you got to see this start from a seed and grow into what it is today. So I, I, I kind of want to pick your brain about that today. I mean, you, you saw this all come to fruition. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, growing up, we didn't have video games. We actually had, you know, real baseballs and real bats and, and, and actually real people that we were interacting with that we could touch and we could see, we could smell. And, uh, you know, video games has taken things to a completely different dimension where that's not there anymore. And uh, and we've become, I think, more of a, a, a withdrawn society because for me, you know, the, the rule was you're home when the streetlights come on. I would go out in the morning and if my parents never saw me, they were fine with that because they knew I was getting lunch at somebody's house or we were playing this or doing that as long as I didn't when the streetlights came on. And that was the rule. Society's changed and it's changed in kind of a scary way because, you know, people don't like to let their kids kind of run around. And we did that. I mean, that's how it was. Not that video games have forced us inside, I don't think, but that measure is certainly there. I think people are more you know, maybe withdrawn than maybe they used to Maybe be. more introverted. Yeah, I think so. And, and perhaps, you know, even some level of social skills have changed. Because we didn't have those. We had pinball machines. That was the most elaborate game-like thing we, you would see in a... And we didn't really have arcades. There would be one like in a little restaurant or this type of thing. And, oh, yeah, yeah, can I have a nickel, you know, to play the, the pinball machine? Because that's all we had. But you saw the explosion to where... There was nothing, and then there was a Pac-Man machine in every laundromat around the corner, correct? I saw it when Pong first came out. Okay. Right. Pong was, you know, when I was was stationed in Germany, and we had an account with an arcade guy, or machine guy. We'd have a couple machines in the officer's club in, in Germany. And he said, I've got this new game out. Maybe you'd be interested in it. You can sit at a table, and people can play against each other while they're sitting down. They can put their drink on the table. It's got a glass cover, completely protected. Called Pong, and I said, eh, you know, <laughs> you know, it sounds kind of hokey to me, but you know, let's try it. I don't even think he referred it to referred to it as a video game. I think he said it's just a new table kind of game. I said, okay. Uh, I said, bring it in. I said, he said, try it for thirty days and see what you think. He brought this thing in, and to watch this happen, this digital kind of aspect video was incredible. I mean, and and, and I see video games today, and I go, wow. I mean, it's like in you know forty years, how far it's come. Oh my gosh, it's it, the explosion is incredible. I mean, I, I see these video games today, and I go, it looks like it's real people. This was two little bars on a screen with this little square thing that would bounce back and forth, and that's what it was. 
And did, I mean, was it, did it take a while for it to take off or was as soon as you put the table in, was it instantaneous? The I mean, vision. was there a line to play? Were oh, yes. you running out of quarters? Oh, well, I think it was like a dime or something back then. Really? It, I, it went to a quarter really fast. Okay. But I think it started out. I've never seen a machine that was less than a quarter. Yeah, I think, I think it started out as a dime, but within like a couple of months because this guy, and that's what he did. He had to come in and change out the little, little uh, changer thing and just plug a new one in there that would only take quarters. Okay. Uh, so did you did you get the revenue from the machine or was did you pay to rent it? We would pay so much to rent it and then we got to have all the money out of it and we made a fortune. I mean, okay. we weren't allowed in Germany to have, uh, it, it, where we were, to have slot machines. So the slot machine era had kind of got into trouble in the military because there was no way to account for the how much money was put in. And people were scarfing it away. So oh, the, the okay. Army and the Air Force did away with slot machines. The Navy kept them. But, you know, Navy, what else have they got to do, right? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, but, 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 yeah, the Army and the Air Force got, did away with them. So this became another source of income because you didn't have to do anything. The guy would come in once a month. He would empty out the machine. We would count the money with him. He would take his cut. We would take our cut. He would maintain the machine, you know, oil it, whatever he had to do to it, make sure it was working right. If someone spilled a drink, yeah, and... It was unbelievable, but people would stand in line to play this game. Pong. I mean, we're talking Pong here, but at the time, it was awesome. Now, would people stand in line to play against each other, or were yes. they standing in line to play against no, the, kinda the like, AI? No, both. Okay. It was playing against each other. It's kind of like you know when you go into a pool place, you want to play it, you put your quarter down put or whatever. Put your quarter on top. Exactly right. And, that's, and you'd see them lined up on the side of this machine for people wanting to play. And, okay. uh, and it was amazing. I mean, and I look at this and go... But at the time, I mean, it was so. So cool. you didn't like playing? Oh no, I loved it. It was so cool. No, okay. But I, you know, I look at it now. I go, you know, wow. Talk about being at the beginning of things. Now, how soon from when you guys got the pong machine was it? A couple years until you started seeing like your Miss Pac-Man's, your Galaga's, your Space Invaders. That would have been about right because this machine, we got this machine in '74. I'm thinking, yeah, because I was there in '74. Pac-Man, Miss Pac-Man, and all, or Pac-Man itself came out like. 75, 76, I think. So it was within a year or two. Okay. I think. Okay. And that, I think that's that, that sounds That sounds right. Yeah. I think they came out within a couple of years. And then, of course, that was just another thing. Number one was in color. Right. And that made a big difference uh, because people, you know, even though I grew up in a black and white television age, once we went to color, you kind of don't want to go back. There's although, no going back. I, although I do like watching old black and white movies. But yeah, once you see, and Pong was black and white, you know, initially. That's, right. And that's what it was. Uh, Miss Pac-Man, Pac-Man came out the color aspect. I mean, I mean, I mean, and our revenue, and, and and that's what I said. He said, "Do you want a Pac-Man machine?" You know, after we had one, he said, "Would you like another one?" I said, "Can I have ten more?" Because <laughs> because that's how many. So Pac Pac-Man, I assume lines out the door. Oh, Space yeah. Invaders, Missile Command, all Frogger, those, all those games. And then this came later when you could have two or three of those in the same machine. Okay. That, that was much later, but normally it was just the, the the one particular game that you would pay, and and again everything by then was at least a quarter, if not more. Right. Yeah, everything was a quarter. Well, because when I was a kid, I think I, that was during the um, the boom. There I, there were every pizza place had twenty to thirty cabinets. There was actual dimly lit arcades that you could go to. Um, that's all gone now. Even when you go to Dave and Buster's, they'll have a Pac Man, they'll have a Donkey Kong. They might have some pinball, but it's all the interactive, like do the kayak or ride the skateboard or the motorcycle or, or actually drive the car type experiences because we have everything I imagine at home now. 
Well, and that's and that's why I think the arcade part has died off is because you can access all this at home. You can do anything you want at home. And and the amount of money that this takes in, I mean, it's absolutely incredible. Although you know, video games for a while, you know, have, have always done well, except. What I guess it was the crash in '83, mid, 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 yeah, early '83 when we, yeah. we lived in El Paso. Yeah, and and then of course there were so many companies. Everybody's putting these things out. Some of them were just crap. I mean, they were just horrible games. People are spending money, and they got angry, and they said, "We're not doing this anymore." Plus, the companies started to do their thing. Well, yeah, if you do this, but you got to add this on. You got to do this. You got to have extra memory. You got to whatever it is. You got to have these players. And uh, people, we're, we're still there, but it's, it's even worse now. But but the thing is, is people wouldn't put up with that and. I mean, they, all these companies just crashed. I mean, they just didn't exist anymore. And the few that, even Mattel got out of it, you know, even right. after in television, and television was the game. I mean, it was so far in advance of everybody else because of the speed at which it would operate. The first 16-bit system the, ever. And, and it was a 16-bit, but it would goose itself up because of how the memory worked in there and how the ROM worked, that it would go up, you know, a little bit higher, even beyond 16-bit. And it was an unbelievable game. I mean, we had one of those. We had the Intellivision, and, and Doug had the Atari. And I remember the the Intellivision was not the popular system. Everyone had an Atari. But as far as what ran, like the Intellivision was definitely graphically superior at the time. Which it, it, it's hard to it's hard to kind of pinpoint those when you look at the baseball game. It, it looks like I mean, come on, how much more graphically advanced can it really be? But they had games like they had the um, they had the Intellivoice that would actually talk to you. They had games that kind of were outside the box, uh, Microsurgeon. Yep. The Advanced Dungeons and Dragons games, uh, Utopia, yep. which was unbelievable for that time. I want to argue that Utopia might be the first strategy game that you played against each other, where you'd have an island and you'd have to have crops and houses and schools. And then the hurricane would and come hurricane through and wipe would everybody not, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah and and start over again. Yeah. That's got to be one of the precursors to SimCity, if not. I think that's it the first was. game I ever played. Yeah, like that. I think I think it definitely was the precursor to SimCity, and even the basic, you know. Shooting games, the 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 the, uh, the World War One game where we'd shoot the biplanes and that type of thing. That triple was like, action, triple action. That was it. That was in television. And and Mattel, you know, was way ahead of their time. And yet they they're not even in the market anymore. No. Uh, and yet they were. But you're right. The popular Atari. I think the way they marketed it was different. Atari was just marketed differently than Mattel was. Mattel got into it. I think just to well, and Atari had Pac-Man. Exactly. And television did not. Exactly. Um, and television didn't have Donkey Kong either, if I if I remember no, correctly. It did not. No, it had a it had something like similar, it, like it. But you it could wasn't. get Burger Time on the Intellivision, yes. and there were certain there, there were some arcade ports, but Be- because because those games were independent games, right? Those were those were done by independent. You know, I people think Atari the had the recognizable licenses, like the Zaxons, the Pac Mans, that ET, the biggest flop ever. They had the the characters, the Smurfs. And you could find, I mean, you could find those things on a lot of consoles, but in television was more, they didn't have, I guess, the license recognizability, even though the system, it's not the first time, though, that a system has come out that's been, well, more technologically advanced and has not been the popular system, though. Well, and, and that's what that's what we see nowadays. We see we see movies and everything lending themselves, I think, to video games. So you get the whole Star Wars thing, you get all these games, but that's because they, you know, they own that aspect of it, right. and they can do that all day long because of the licensing. Back then, it was it was different. You had you had guys at universities designing these games. You had people in the military basically designing the, the original. You know, you, you look at you look at the movie. You know, war games. Those things were actually being built by the military to do. You know, Russian U.S. simulations. I mean, I remember those when. I guess I can say this. Yeah, it's probably not top secret anymore. <laughs> <No>. anyway, uh, <laughs> But, but, I mean, we actually had simulation games that were written specifically for that purpose that ended up becoming 
video games as a result of all that. I mean, it was it was done that way. Even the survivor games that you sometimes see, like the Sim Cities, and I think were based on what's going to be the casualty rate, what's going to be the kill rate, what's going to happen to these people, how's this going to work. It all came from what the military was doing at the time. Oh, sure. So that combined effort. The military still uses games like Call of Duty and things of that things you games better, like that because of the strategy aspect. Right. And 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 that is a tough thing to teach without the visual effects because everybody coming into the military now is so visually oriented right. just because of how they've grown up. That's just the nature of it. I mean, I teach at a university. I run into the same thing. You try to explain something to somebody in words and it's like a frog looking at a wristwatch. You know, if I can draw them a little picture of it, they go, oh, you know, it's like the McDonald's cash registers. They have little hamburgers and cheeseburgers so that the clerk knows which one to push. You know, I mean, really? <laughs> well, I mean, but that's... Uh, but that's the nature of where we are. I mean, exactly. That, that, and, and we just kind of move along with it. I think the other thing that's important is that, you know, growing up, you know, having children that played. I mean, we played. I mean, we would sit, you know, your mom and I would actually write programs for the Apple. So, so that you we could, could, you could right. play the game. And we would actually punch in the language so that you would have these different games to play. And, uh, and, and when you had to create the commands, you know, go north, you know, pick up text, rock, yeah. whatever, text, text, text games. Adventure. Yeah, I mean, and that was, seemed so cool back then, and now it's tedious. It's, it's horrible. Yeah. I can't do it. <laughs> Absolutely tedious. I've tried to go back and play things like Zork, um, oh. Bart's Tale. Uh, games like that, I've tried to go back and play things like that, and you and you can't do it. I mean, I even struggle with old menus where I have to click down. I'm like, why do I have to do this? Why can't I just cursor over and, and go forward? Um, and that's interesting, too, because PC, you and I did a lot of PC gaming, what we would call PC gaming that's, now. That's what, right. When I was a kid, we had... Uh, Is that what we had? Well, and I'm sure we can say this now, too. You and I had, I don't know what friend at work you got them from, but we had like 400 Apple IIe diskettes yes. that we copied uh, illegally, <laughs> but and, and I and I wrote Steve Wozniak and told him and told this. him that we had all and, these games. And he said okay. it was fine. He said we were cool. Right. Okay, yeah. this was after the fact, though. But, but you brought you brought home a, just a, a crate one night, and you and I sat up until like four in the morning and tried everything out and installed it, and uh, you'd have to blow on the disk drive and stick the floppy in five and, and a quarter, inch five and a quarter inch disk. Yeah, yeah, I know. And, and then they went to the three and a half. Which was which was awesome, but it, I mean, I that's kind of where I cut my teeth. I would say I didn't really become a gamer until seventh grade in Washington. But back in El Paso, I mean, Doug had an Atari, we had an Intellivision, Doug had a Coleco, we had an Apple IIe. I had every game I wanted within within a, a block of my house. You had it within actually fifty fifty feet, feet yeah, of my house. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and that's the thing is that the two the two systems complemented each other because you had one and you got to experience different games, different kinds of games different quality of games that probably most people never did because you no. had four or five systems that you could access and you would come home I remember and say oh you know Doug's got this I said okay maybe there's a an Intellivision version of this we can get and that you know and there was there usually was yeah. And, oh, yeah. uh, you know uh, you know, Tomb Raider was one but what I can never think of the name of the guy that you're thinking was, of Pitfall yeah Pitfall Tomb Raider's letter yeah exactly right I mean and Pitfall for them was an awesome game it was a scrolling game basically where the character would just run always in the same direction right nothing fancy but it was cool because it was awesome yeah still I mean, one of my favorite games yeah I, I, me too I think until that particular game Pitfall was awesome because you have the little alligators and you know and nowadays you look at it and you go but see, so during, I mean, because I read about the crash. The crash happened when we were in El Paso, but you would never have been able to tell by our household 
that video games weren't something that people were that weren't popular. I should say. Well, I think the crash started when we were still in Kansas because uh, yeah. we got to El Paso in '85. So, but it was we were on the cusp. We were of the on crash. the end. We were yeah. on the end of the crash because yeah, the, the, the NES came out in '85 or right. or '86. Right, and that's right. what's that's what's touted as reviving the industry. It made all the difference in the world when the, when, the, when 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 Nintendo did what they did. That changed because I want to say that was the first time. Mario at the arcade was exactly the same as Mario at my house. There was not a pixel difference. Nope. And, and that made all the difference in the world. And that's I think that particular thing is what set Nintendo up to where it is today. Right. Because they just kept doing things, kept doing things, kept doing things, and kept modernizing things, keeping up with what was available graphically, what people were writing, the programs, the speed at which things could be written. They, they policed it, too. Exactly. To where you could anyone could put out an Atari game. And that's what killed it. Yep. Nintendo, if you didn't have that Nintendo seal of quality, you weren't getting distributed. So Nintendo, they, they kind of, not that there weren't crappy games on the NES, there were, but Nintendo really, they brought a level of quality control to gaming, which I think was important. That way when you knew you went to the store and bought something for 50 bucks, well, you knew if Nintendo's name was on it, if they made it, not, 100% it was great. Nintendo, I don't think, I still don't think Nintendo has released a bad game to this day, but if they approve something... At least somebody else had played it. You knew what you were getting. You knew what you were getting. Exactly. Because, because their quality control was just, you know, so very high. Plus, at the same time, you've got, you know, Intel doing the microchips. And without Intel, none of these companies could have done what they did. Without Intel right. making the microchips for these machines, there's no way. And, and Intel is actually, if you look at it indirectly, is responsible for how the quality of the games. Because if they hadn't come up with the, with the microchip the way they did, it wouldn't have happened. And they did, and 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 not just, and they certainly didn't do it just for video games. They did it for everything that we right. do. But the but people were able to take these little bits and say, wait a minute, we can do this, we can do this, and the and the and the the, the computer scientists in Japan are being able to ah, we can even do this better. We can we can add this dimension to it. We can add the the the, the RPG aspect of, it. and that's what they did when they came out with dungeons. You know, they that that actual role playing aspect of it, where you could compete with other people, right, and. Wow. I mean, took it to, a, a, again, another... And the thing is, is the levels were so close together because every time somebody did something, it was a new level. Right. And and then the next guy said, well, wait a minute. If we do this, we can top that. And that's what it became. It became such a competitive a competitive aspect of, of the business world because nobody wanted to be left behind. There's too much money. Too much money to be made. Well, I think, too, I think the competition now is what keeps things going. I'm glad that I have... It's frustrating that it is to have three choices. I'm glad that I do have three choices because each choice, whether it's Microsoft, Sony, or Nintendo now, brings something completely different to the table, which I like. And everything has gone to where it used to be you'd go over to a friend's house to play. No, no, no. You talk to him over a headset now and you play on your own couch. And to kind of go back to where you kind of started today, we have become, I, would, I wouldn't say antisocial, but yeah, you don't. It's it's not the same. You don't have eight people over to play video games anymore, hardly at all. And and, and having to well, I get the controller next. I get controller because there's only two, right? Or I passing, mean, playing a single player game all night with a buddy and switching lives out. Oh yeah, it just it doesn't really happen as much anymore. And I, I guess time will tell whether that's making us better or worse as a society. Well, I think I think the one thing that it does that it does open up is. You can sit at your house and you can play against somebody in another country. Right. Hopefully what's happening with that is that there's some communication going on. It's not just two people playing a game, but they're actually exchanging ideas. They're, they're talking about you know, what's going on you know, 
in their part of the world. Exactly right, because it does provide any. I mean, the connections that, that that young people have nowadays, it's incredible. I mean, you know, we we had to wait, you know, twenty four hours for the camera crew to to send the you know the film back from whatever was going on in the world, and we'd see it, you know, a day later. It's instantaneous now. I can get news quicker on someone's Facebook feed than I can by watching the actual news. And 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 why? It's pretty news- impressive. Yeah, and why newspapers are still around? I don't know. I don't know. I either. still enjoy reading newspapers. I like having. I like having something in my hand. Exactly. I'm with you there. Yeah, and and you know that's why I don't read Kindles. I think that's a great idea. But I like to turn the page. I like to feel the book. I like the smell. I mean, there's just. But that's how I grew up, and 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 I'm not against it. I think it's it's brilliant that a child can have a Kindle, can download a book, and can read Mark Twain. Right. I think that's awesome. Or can read some of the classics, and and can do this kind of. Thing. There is an aspect though that bothers me that we are kind of you know moving within ourselves, and and I see that again you know teaching colleges who've you know I don't think any of them have ever been out you know, to, you know when they show up in class it's like wow there's actually a world out here I mean I'm serious it's it's some of them are just I mean it's just clueless I, I see it too and I, I see that kids don't want to try as many new things and they're a lot more comfortable being at home in their bubble um, comfort zones have changed. Right. I think comfort zones have changed. And I would say my, my generation, I guess, was probably the first generation of gamers where games existed from the time I was born until now. I was lucky enough to be raised in the Nintendo era. I mean, I, I tell Jake about that all the time. I was like, you just don't understand what that, that console did. So kind of from your perspective, um, what was that era like for you? That's when I that's when you and I were playing Zelda and Dragon Warrior. And by the way, BitFacers... Only dad on my block to beat both Zelda and Dragon Warrior. Other parents weren't doing that, so props to you. But no, that's when you and I kind of, uh, um, I, I, I still wouldn't say you encouraged it, but you always were there to play with me. You always had fun playing with me. But that was the era, the 8-bit Nintendo era. That's where I I was done. I, I, I signed over to the dark side at that point, and I've never looked back. <laughs> well, and, and it's not, you know, and I never saw it as, as a negative thing. I never, you know, saw I always like had to keep way. my grades up. There were, there exactly. were stipulations around my play. It wasn't like you were like, ah, just, just do that. And, and we were cautious. I mean, you know, when they came up, I think it was in the, was it the mid eighties or nineties when they came up with the ratings for games, because yeah. then they became more bloody. They became, you know, where you're blowing guys heads off and you know, you, you do protect your kids from things, but... I was older at that point. Exactly so. right. Yeah, you, I were, was, you, were, I was, you were a mid-teenager, you know, that type of thing. So that made that made a difference, you know, as well, uh, I and I think. But the early games, I mean, a guy would kind of get killed, but he just kind of... And there'd be maybe a little dot of, you know, a couple of pixels of red, right. and that would be it. It wasn't like, you know, you know you're cutting off heads and stuff. Nowadays, it's... I mean, it's, some of these games are really, really graphic. I'll have to show you Mortal Kombat. Yeah, I mean, it just came out. It's, it's unbelievable. So, so you know, that made a difference. But I think you're right. I think, for me, just having that time to spend talking about, you know, competitiveness, talking about fairness, talking about, you know, thinking through things. I mean, when you think about when you think about Link and you, you think about this and, you know, and Wolfenstein and you got to get through the castle. I think that helped with regard to how you strategize about life. I think there's a planning and organizing. I think it helps, you know, as a as a neuropsychologist, you know, this whole idea of prefrontal cortex and and how we plan out things is enhanced by things like this. I really do. Even even the, you know the the the, the modified Sim City one where you had to plan out your crops and had to think about this and you know that type of thing. I think it does help people to to think along those terms and. And it doesn't have to be negative. I think parents need to monitor video games like they do anything else. 
I don't think it's any different. I think, you know, you do it with music, you do it with movies, you do it with whatever. Video games are no different. You don't put into your, you know, your child's, you know, hands, you know, um, the the auto one. What's the auto one where they kill the whores on the oh, Grand Theft Auto. Grand Theft Auto. You don't give that to your six-year-old. That's in my drive right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but you don't. You don't let your... I mean, if you're a good parent, you don't just set your child in front of the television and say, here's a bunch of video games. Have fun. No good parent would do that. So I don't think the games are bad. Have you, have you seen parents it become, though, like, I know people used to say that television was the, what, the unfortunate babysitter. Games are even worse because you can only, I, I, well, I think you can only watch television for so long before you get bored. You can, you can get sucked in. I mean, people have died. Playing video games, I don't think anyone's ever died during a, a television marathon. People, well, people have died playing video games. Maybe during Friends or something like that, you could die <laughs> from, from boredom. <laughs> boredom, yeah. Uh, no, I, I think you're right, but I think the the important aspect of of the of the video games is like anything else, you have to control it. You have to allow so much time, you know, for a child. I think the the one thing I see is it becomes you know, so much a part of a person's life that they forego other things. Again, college students, you know, they'll, they'll come up to me, in, in, you know, in class and say, well, you know, Dr. Hollis, I'm, I'm working 12 hours a week and I'm taking, you know, 12 hours of class. I just don't have time. What are you doing? I said, when I was in school, I was working 40 hours a week and taking 18 hours. You've got to be spending this. Well, I said, do you have a video game system? Well, of course I do. That's where you're spending your time. And I think it, it's a matter of discipline. I, and, and, I agree. And, and when you go off to college... It becomes self-discipline because there's no parent there to say, hey, Joe, get your homework done. And many students don't do that very well. I mean, many young people, they just don't. The other thing is, I think video games provide what I would call instant gratification. People want to be entertained and they want to do it passively. And that, that, that becomes problematic, I think, out in the world because they get bored at a job because it's not exciting all the time. It's not like they can change screens or they can change characters or they can add life or they can do this or they can, you know, cut off their boss's head. You know, they can do it, you know, <laughs> extemporaneously, but they can't do it. Maybe that's why I, I, I get so bored at work. Could be, you know, I mean, but, but I think that's part of the, I think that's just part of the mindset and, it, and it's not right or wrong or good or bad. It is. And we live with it. Uh, video games themselves aren't bad. I don't. Think. I agree. I think, but we, I think I, I'm I'm fully guilty of procrastinating and putting things off and not getting things done and not getting enough, you know, done because I play. And and I think that that's the self discipline part. I think that's and, and 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 for some people it's hard. I have friends that will not play strictly because they know that that's it. That that's a step off the deep end. That they're never coming out of that rabbit hole if they crawl down it. Well, I don't think some aspects of video games are any different than any other kind of addiction. I think people become addicted. I think you get that you get that serotonin, that dopamine running in the brain, and it's that it's that jazz. I would prefer someone playing a video game than taking crack cocaine, though. If I were to if I were to put the two together, yeah, you know, I don't I don't think many people would disagree with that sentiment, though. No, I I, I think so, but I think people do attribute a lot of evils to video games that just aren't there. So where do, where do you stand on the? Uh, I, I'd, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you this since you're here. Where do you stand on the video games and, and causing violence? And this is something we've never really talked about on on Bitface. You so. know, violence is uh, you know it, there's so much violence, and especially here in the United States. I mean, you go up to Canada, and you know they may have like ten murders a year. We can have ten murders a year in Atlanta in five minutes. Right. I mean, and, on and, the same street. Exactly. And so you know, it's I don't think it's necessarily that video games 
quote-unquote cause violence. Uh, I think studies have been done that show that you know violence on television can it vicariously create some increase in this because it lowers video games. I think could have that same effect as long as but as long as we teach the child or the young person that this is a game. This is not real. I mean, when I was a kid, it was the Three Stooges. They, they would hit each other in the head with hammers. Well, I didn't go out and start hitting my friends with hammers, you know, knowing it was going to make because a funny you sound. Recognized. Yeah, exactly right. And and part of it, I think, what what you know, what the person has to be responsible for, and the parent is responsible, is to make sure that the child knows the difference. Okay, that's. I think that's the key. I don't think they themselves are bad, but someone has to draw the line. And say, okay, now wait a minute. You know, it's 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 just like kids. You know, they can watch WWF wrestling. And, you know, a six-year-old and his little three-year-old brother and say, you know, you stand down there. He says, I'm going to do a body slam off the top of the sofa. Well, that's what they've seen, not realizing that the guy misses him completely. I'm sorry. If those of you who believe that wrestling is real, I apologize. Uh, It's real to me. Okay. It's real to me. But for that six-year-old, he doesn't know that. So when he comes down in his little brother's head with his knee and then wonders why he doesn't move, that's where the parents come in and say, okay, this is not real this is a game this is a television show this is this part of what's happened is is there's been this blending of reality and fantasy that many people don't distinguish and i think that's where the violence part comes in okay do you think it's in i mean and i agree with you too i've I've often said i don't think video games cause violence but if you lock a six-year-old in a basement with call of duty for 10 hours a day i don't think that's necessarily a good thing no and i i don't think I think that would happen with a 15-year-old or a 16-year-old or a 17-year-old. If, if that's what they're exposed to, that becomes their reality. And, and, if, and the, the line between reality and fantasy, once that gets bridged, it, you know, once or twice, then it gets bridged four and five times. That becomes the problem. You know, the guy you know, the, in the movie theater, you know, coming in like you know, the Joker and killing all those. There's a fantasy break there at some point. Okay. Whether that was related to video games, I don't know. Because there's a lot of things out there that can cause that breakdown. So I don't want to just, you know, throw the baby out with the bathwater. I think, I think it's a combination of our society. I think our society is more violent. Okay. In general. No, I, I, I'd, I'd agree with you there. Are video games part of that? Yes. Yeah. I would say, I, I don't think anybody would dispute that. Is music part of that? Yes. I think that's part. It's just the exposure on news, having an instant. I mean, even TV news is very graphic. Right. Even though they'll put a you know disclaimer, the following you know may not be appropriate. That's when everybody watches it, right? When they say, "Oh, good, this will be." You know. <laughs> and, and look at people on you know look at people when there's accidents. I mean, we as humans gawk at other people's misfortune. We want to see the blood. We want, ooh, you know, this will be. I mean, does that make us bad? Not necessarily. I think we just that's just kind of our nature at this point. Okay, if that makes any no, sense. No, completely makes sense. It completely makes sense, and I'm I'm, I'm glad that we discussed that. I've often, yeah, I've, I'm I'm the worst as far as putting things off because I play. But at the same time, going through bad periods in my life, which everyone does, video games have always been, for me, the best escape in the world. When I need to shut off for an hour and not think about work or bills or, you know, girlfriends or, or anything like that, video games have always been a way that I can escape. And I think, you know, it's I, I guess it is for me what working out is for Stefan or, like, you know, Whatever. You have to have... Everyone has their vices. Well, and, and for us growing up, we didn't have this. It was the movies. Oh, yeah. We, going to the movies... You know, when I was a kid, going to the movies on Saturday, we could go to the movies and go there from 9 to 12. It would cost 50 cents. 
another 50 cents, popcorn, candy, and soda, and we would watch, you know, westerns. We would, but again, I watched westerns. I watched people get shot. Again, not as graphically, right. but I knew they were being shot. Okay. Now I didn't go home and get on my horse and start, you know, shooting the kids in my neighborhood because, you know, Wild Bill <laughs> Hickok did. That's the difference. And, and, but we, yeah, I agree with you. We all need an escape. We all need something that we can go to. The thing is, is you don't, you know, you don't want to go there and not come back. Right. That becomes, that, that's when it becomes problematic. You know, when a person starts, you know, for example, has a job and starts missing work because they've been up all night and they, they just can't get up out of bed. And that's true of any addiction. It's not a problem until it starts affecting, you know, your life and other people's lives in direct or indirect ways. I, I completely agree with you. I completely agree with you. So tell me a little bit about we've we've kind of touched on this uh, touched on this at the beginning, but you really I got to see it as from a kid's perspective, but you really got to see the arcade boom in this country, and I don't think we're ever going to see anything like that again. No, I would agree with with the advantage of having all this at home. Well, even the arcades are you know the arcade sales are nothing like they used to be. I mean, and and like you were explaining to me earlier, before, you can order games. And not everything leave the house. You don't have to go to the the video game store anymore. If they even have those, I'm sure there are some, but they exist. Yeah, but why would you? Some people like still like the physical box. Like, they like, like having reading the a book. Media. Yeah, no, I you understand. Want the, for me though, it's a matter of I have so much of the physical media that I'm almost why do I need any more of it? And I I prefer the old cartridges. Either way, with this uh, or with the Xbox, I should say I can have the game at midnight. I'm not waiting in line. Not that there's nothing, anything wrong with launch parties or things like that, but you'd go out. You wouldn't get rung up until 1230. You'd be home at 1. Then you'd have to install the game. You're not playing until 4. I'll already have Batman installed the Tuesday night it comes out. 10 o'clock Mountain Time, I will be playing. There's the, that's the appeal for me. And that's why, in my genre, it was McDonald's and fast food, fast, fast food drive through restaurants. People didn't want to have to sit in a restaurant. That's why McDonald's. That's why they... And that's why you receive. I mean, it's not right or wrong. It just is. I mean, we had the same types of things. It was just at different levels. I mean, conveniences are conveniences, and everybody likes that. You know, they think it's going to give them more time. I don't know what they're doing with all this time because they're not making the world a better place. But hopefully, you know, someone along the lines will. I think we, to your point that we're not making the world a better place, we have so much more to consume than your generation did. I mean, I can, I can read I, any book I want right now. I have every Nintendo game on an emulator on my computer. I can do any. I can, I can do anything I want. There's no more going to the library if I have a question that needs to be answered. I can get that question and twenty more answered. Now, why we're not? Hopefully, you're not using Wikipedia for it though, because <laughs> I put something in Wikipedia at least twice a month that is complete garbage. Hoping someone will read it and go, wow, this must be true. This must be true. <laughs> and no, and, and the, inter- the internet is a dangerous place as far as that's concerned. Oh, and the sharing of misinformation is just as dangerous. But I, I, I think I consume so much more media now than I ever have. I mean, start, I guess I would say starting probably in my 30s. So for like the, about the past eight years. I mean, yeah, I have access to anything I want. I can watch almost any movie I've ever wanted to see. I can pull up references to things. YouTube is broken down. I mean, we can pull up a clip from any movie you want to right now. If you wanted to see, okay, well, this is how it was framed, and this is his exact line of dialogue, and this is how he said it. I, and I think, I don't know if we're going to be destined for overexposure, 
but it's not going to get any. It's we're not going backwards. Well, and you know, I, the example I have used with people sometimes: if you take if you take the dawn of people, whenever that was, you, we can argue that theologically. We can argue whatever, whenever, whenever humankind existed first, and you take humankind up to eighteen twenty. Okay, so whatever the period of time is, but we're going to eighteen twenty on a bar graph. That represents one inch of new knowledge. Okay, just for that's where we're going to start with. We have to have a basis of start. 1820 to 1920, just 100 years, it went to two inches. So it doubled in 100 years from thousands and thousands of years. Okay, 1920 to 1990, 70 years. Any idea where in the bar graph we are? So we're at two inches right now, correct? 22 inches. 600 feet. Wow. 600. I mean, that's an incredible amount of information, knowledge to have, to grasp. And part of it is we, we can't grasp it all. If you go into your doctor's office and his medical magazines, you know, his journals are more than a couple of months old. He's out of date. While you're waiting in line at Best Buy, your computer's and phone are already outdated. Right. They're, they're, they're already two years behind from what's going to happen in the next six months. And that's, that's what Jobs did. You know, he just kept creating things so much in advance that nobody can keep up with it. And, and you know, that's part of the success, the success of Apple, I think, all along was, you know, he was the first one to have the little, you know, the, the plastic discs that went in the three and a half. Nobody else had those before, you know. And, and, and so when you look at that, to be able to manage this information, and, and nothing's changed. Information is power. Definitely. There's no question about that. The more you know about things, the thing is that there's so much to know. And, and like you said, you can access this. You know, does World Book actually still print encyclopedias? Why would they? But they do. You can actually physically get encyclopedias? You, they're in libraries. I don't know what the most current date is, but it's outdated before they've got it on the shelf. Right. And I think, too, that possibly the fact that we have access to information so quickly, I don't think we retain it. No. Like if... Like if we were to work for it. I know I don't. Look, go, go into an elementary school or even to a middle school or whatever. Look at a social studies book from one year ago and see how much so modern social studies has changed in 12 months. They can't keep up with it. The kids are reading history that's no longer history anymore. I mean, it's happened. But, you know, when I was a kid, it was Africa. There were so many new countries in Africa. The maps were outdated within, you know, weeks of each other. They put a map out and then it's like, oh, there's a new country now. How are we supposed to know all this, right? You know, you didn't tell me that. We raised three children. The rules change for how you raise the kids from child to child. You know, we, you, know you were first, so oh, we can do this, this, and this. And then, you know, the second child came along. Heather came along. Oh, no, you're not supposed to. Well, we did that. Well, that should be okay. Wait a minute now. How can the <laughs> rules change? You know, and it, it, every child, you know, the third, Melinda came along, third child. Completely different. The rules were, the rules were different. Same thing's happening here. I mean, and it changes even quicker than that, even from child to child. That's part of the problem. And, and that's going to, that's going to, I mean, that's just going to continue. How do we manage all this information? How do we do it? So do you think in relation to video games, we've already seen the biggest jump from when you, when you got that Pong machine to you, me showing you the Xbox One today briefly before we we started today. Is that is that the biggest leap, or am I going to be talking to my to Jacob, for example, in forty years and say, "Oh my gosh!" I mean, do you remember when we had to actually scroll through a menu <laughs> to, to to play? 
You know, it, that's a good example because I thought after watching the Jetsons as a kid, we'd have flying cars by now. And we really don't, you know, not like we have highway. I mean, we have highways, but everybody doesn't have their own little thing that like George did, you know, to get to work to space lease rockets. And it's like, we don't have that. Uh, how much better can it get? I don't know because I look at it now and I'm absolutely amazed. I look at, at, at television and how television looks now and I go, wow, this is as close to you know, looking at something live you know, as you ever could get. I mean, it looks like there are really people there. 3D is one of those things, I think, you know, that... I still but, think but it's so gimmicky. When I don't you, when like you go the, see a movie, no, do you go see it in 3D? I never see the movie in 3D. You I don't, know, and I don't like... Now, if I could go in there and magically I could see it without wearing the glasses, that would be awesome. But the fact that I have to wear a little piece of plastic cardboard glasses, that just makes it so cheesy for me. Plus, I don't get that much out of it because it's only every, you know, f- you know, every 20 minutes or so that you have a 3D effect in movies. So do you think that... Uh, you think we have a lot more? I mean, I, I know the direction. In fact, it was announced yesterday. We're going to have a virtual reality system that's pretty. That's going to be a lot more realistic than what you and I saw, for example, in the Lawnmower Man back when VR was first kind of on the cusp and was a buzzword. Do you think that's the direction we're going, or do you think we're always going to have to have that tactile response with the buttons and the joystick? No, I think you're going to be able to do this cognitively pretty quick. Okay. I, think, I think I think that's going to happen. You know. Uh, that there's going to be an episode where there's not, you're not going to have to interact with hands-on. It's not going to have to be tactile. I really do think that. I mean, the, it's, it's just gone too much too fast. And in 20 years, what's it going to be like? So you don't think it's slowing down at all? I don't think so. Okay. I don't think it's going to either. And we may even get to the point, you know, and, you know, there are some research studies that have been done that even just thinking about it. I mean, some of the heads-up displays we have in some of the, I guess I can say, in some of the jets we have, have to do with you know if you go look at the movie Firefox all he had to do was think in Russian when he stole the plane and the plane would respond we can do that now okay so and that's and the only reason that you can't do it in your video game now is because the cost but as things exist longer the cost comes down you've got to remember when the space program was going on that was technology that started back in the 50s. We didn't see it until 68 when Neil Armstrong landed on the moon. But that had been in existence for 20 or 30 years. It's just that it wasn't available to the public. You know, your, your iPhone now has more capability than all the computers that NASA had when Neil Armstrong landed on the moon. It's got more capability than all those computers. You know, the, the Univac computer would take up a, you know, a building size to do basic counting. Microchips, you know, have changed all that. Is it getting even? Yeah, look how microchips have changed. Look at the information that's stored on microchips nowadays. It's unbelievable. So yeah, we're just, you know, another talking, you know, tetra level and all this. I'm thinking, wow. So when you look, at, I remember you carry, I remember four bit, you know, computers, and we're talking. You about carry an that. iPhone now. When you when you look at the iPhone, or when you look at something like a tablet, um, or even I guess GPS, even. Do you see that you said you were saying earlier? I don't see the Jetsons now, and I get that. Do you see Star Trek now, though, oh, without the ships? Oh, <laughs> definitely. Okay. Oh, there's, there's no is, is that not my communicator? No question. You know, I think I was talking to you, you know, earlier uh, about the coolest watch I ever saw in my entire life was in a James Bond movie, 
and it was a, called a Pulsar watch. And he looked at his watch and he pushed a button and this LED screen came across with the time. I thought, that is the coolest watch I've ever seen in my entire life. And LED, I thought, I've got to have one of we those. We should show you Tyler's watch now. Yeah. <laughs> you I mean, have it on you, but... Yeah, but, but an LED, what, LED, I mean, LED is, I mean, so far in... And that was cool in this, when, whenever that movie came out, 70s, I guess, late 70s, early 80s. That's only 30 years ago. Right. I mean, that's the thing. And, and now I, I basically carry a supercomputer in my pocket. Me too. Uh, although I only know how to use it for making phone calls and receiving them. But other than that, I do have it, you know. And I'm I sure it does. Playing a, trivia. Yeah. I mean, I know it does a lot more than I thought it did. You know, oh, it always does. You know, my son-in-law pointed out some of those. You point out, so, oh, yeah, well, you can do this. Oh, well, that's cool. I didn't know that. Because nobody reads the manual. Do they even come with manuals? No, yeah, they're all online. Phone, yeah, yeah okay. it's all stuff. Sto- yeah, exactly. And, you know, it's like, but nobody reads car manuals either. You get your new car. Who sits down and reads 150 pages? You just get in, turn the key, and you hope you find things when you need to find them. You figure it out. Yeah, that's the worst thing about rental cars. You get it. Well, where, you know, especially the ones where you have to push a button to get the key out. I spent 20 minutes in a rental car a lot one time. I couldn't figure out how to get the key out of the ignition. Because there was there was an extra car. button somewhere. Really? Why are we doing this? The keys don't just fall out of the ignition while you're driving it. Why do I need a button for this? That's just me. Okay, so when you look now, um, and we kind of we talked about this a little bit yesterday. I'd like to welcome Tyler. Oh, to sorry. The yes. Hi. Good to see you. Good to see you. Hey, what's up, everybody? Every everyone everyone knows Tyler. Yeah, sorry, Tyler. I was I was going to yeah. stop and sorry. I'm on a roll, man. We we've just been going here. No, it sounds like it. Is. Uh, but when you look today at, did you ever think back when that pong machine got delivered that if you took the revenue from music, movies, and all entertainment and combined them, that it wouldn't even put a drop in the bucket of what video games are doing now? The, the billions of dollars of video game is astounding to me. Did I you mean, ever I, think it would get no. to that when people were waiting in line to drop dimes in your pong machine? I was <laughs> counting quarters and thinking, man, this we're going to make a fortune. You know, the, I wish I had ten of these things that I could set up. And yeah, you know, there's there's no way, there's no way. So you kind of got out of that though before the crash. Yeah. Okay. You you weren't you weren't around when all the machines were collecting dust and you were sending. No, them and, and they were you know put in storerooms and closets and, and stuff, and and people went back to pinball machines. Right. But exactly what happened is the video games kind of got brushed aside, and you would you would go into these places and oh well, look at that. Oh, and if you went into those now, you go that's worth a fortune. You know that Miss Pac Man is, and it would. They just sat there for several years. Well, there's machines that they that are gone. Just kind of like there's VHS movies that we'll never see again because they didn't get converted over to DVD. And those tapes and those boards in the games they have a finite life. Well, and, and you can't. They're not being. They're not being remade. Right. It's, it's not like going you know down to Mexico and getting a Volkswagen part because you have an old Beetle. You can't. You can't get the parts. Right. Right. And I mean, there's people that dedicate themselves to refurbishing, refining these old games, keeping these VCR tapes, converting things over. But there's media that's going to be, uh, I don't think as much in gaming as as much as in movies, but there's media that's going to be lost forever that we're never going to see again. Well, and, and, and you know, same things happen with, you know, just the stuff that you buy in your house. You, you, if your toaster breaks, you don't take it down to the little repair guy and fix your toaster because it's going to cost you three times as much for him to repair. You go and buy a new toaster for 20 bucks. Right. I mean, we are a throwaway society. We don't keep anything. We we get rid of it. We get rid of it. You know, we get rid of appliances in our house. We get rid of spouses. We get rid of, well, I mean, but we do. I mean, that no. Yeah, I mean, that's <laughs> that, that's what happened. He had no idea. So. No, no, but but we do. I mean, we, th- everything has a lifespan, and once we determine that that lifespan has been met, we get rid of it and we get something new. 
and and I think that that happens. That you know, I mean, I used to take my shoes to the shoe guy to have him put soles on them and heels on them and stuff like that because we didn't throw away shoes. Nowadays, you know, I mean, I got a hole here in my my New Balance here, and they're telling me, well, that's just what happens. I said, but this is the second pair, and nothing against New Balance because I do like the shoes, but. Why can't they make a... Sh- I mean, I don't have, like, pointy toes or something. I don't understand that. But I can't get this fixed. Right. No. No, definitely not. And if you and if you did, it wouldn't be worth it. You might as well just buy a new pair. Same with televisions. You know? I mean, uh, you, yeah. you can go out and buy a... You know, I mean, when they came out with the big widescreen television, I mean, they were like $2,000. You can go buy a widescreen television for 300 bucks. That was three fifty. Yeah, that's what yeah. I'm saying. It's So, if you just wait long enough, you know, you're, you're fine. And... Uh, but that's that's where it's that's where it's going. I I think things are I I think we've expanded a lot in four years. I don't know that we'll go at the same speed, but I think it's continuing. If that makes sense, it does. It does, I, I, it, and it may. I may be completely wrong, you know. But I don't. But know. you certainly didn't see it forty years ago, There's being no, where it is There's now. No way. I I didn't either. I mean, even playing a big Nintendo, I didn't think that we would have that it would be like it is today. There's no way. Of course, I you know I didn't think they could do in the movies what they did. You know, we we were talking about you know the the, the worst and best Star Treks. You know, we talked about Star Trek One being one of the worst. But when I sat in a movie screen in the nineteen when did it seventy eight? Yeah, when mid seventies, whenever it came. Now out. maybe before. Yeah, seventy five, wasn't it? I'll have to look. Anyway, and saw the Enterprise. On the big screen. I thought that was the most awesome thing in the world. Despite the fact that the movie sucked. It was terrible. But seeing the Enterprise on a big screen looking like it did. Considering the very first really cool space movie before that was 2001. Right. Where you had the zero gravity look. You had the space. I mean, and there was a lot of time spent on that. But they spent a lot of money to create that effect. So they wanted to get their money's worth. I mean, that becomes part of it is, is they'll, you know, nowadays with CG the way it is, it's much more efficient. Back then, it took them a lot of work to do that. I think I think Star Trek was seventy nine because Star Wars yeah. was seventy seven. Yeah, I think you're right. And the reason that Star Trek got revived was because of the interest after Star Wars. Oh yeah, when Star Wars kicked in, the doors ooh, off of we can make money off of this. Yeah, but we need to do better movies. And well, they did. And they did. Yeah, and they did. They, and they learned. Did. They learned. But but that's the thing is I don't think no. There's no way I would have realized I would have thought that, that we would be where we are now. Not not when I look at these video games and go, wow, this is. This is like real. And, and, it, and that goes back to what we were talking about before. The realness and the fantasy of it has to be kept separate. Because once that's lost, then, I mean, and it, I think it does get lost for some people. But Blizzard's even something. encouraging people now. Their, their game, World of Warcraft, is very all-encompassing to where you have to do stuff every day and play. They're even giving you rewards to not play Take a day off, and we'll give you some extra items or extra oh, gold. So, so they oh, give you extra whatever. They, they don't do. want people. They don't want. They don't want people like the guy in Korea collapsing at his keyboard. Yeah, Star- they, starving to death. And they find a little skeleton. You know. Well, no. When you sit there and do nothing but drink Red Bull for three days straight, well, it's probably not going to yeah. be the most yeah. the most healthy thing in the entire yeah. world for Physically, you. Physically, your body doesn't. And that's it. I mean, uh, I mean, there are some advantages. I mean, we can sit. You can sit in in an ADD kit down. And you can spend hours at video games. You try to send, and, and part of it is, is teachers and school systems have had to become more creative to keep kids' attention, because these video games do it so so much better. But you're also dealing with a captive audience. You're dealing you're dealing one on one when you're playing a video game. Basically, it's one on one. It's not a teacher competing with twenty five other students, and that makes it harder for the teacher. I think. 
Oh, yeah. For the schools. Whereas, I don't know how it, teachers it, do it with yeah. iPhones and things nowadays. Yeah. But with a computer, basically it's one-on-one. When you're playing a video game, you're playing... I mean, I know you're playing other people, but it's one-on-one. It's basically you and a machine. I play a lot of just me versus the computer or me That's for what score. That's but, but yeah. Oh, yeah? But it's one-on-one. And to this to this day, I, I, I do that, so... Uh, and, and I don't... And the, and the sacrifice becomes, is, you know, do we... Do kids lose social skills? Do they not get out enough? I think so. I don't think they, they're outside playing as much as they used to. I don't think... I really do. I mean... Balancing act. The whole world... We have to keep it in balance. This is no different. And and I don't see this evil because it's gotten to the place that it's gotten. I think we just haven't managed it as parents, as adults, as whatever, as best as we can. Uh, because it becomes easier for a parent just to, like you said before. Here, Johnny, sit down here in front of the video game and you'll be out of mother's hair. Now, she doesn't say it that way, but that's exactly what her intent is. Right. That's where it becomes wrong. When, when the And it's the parent that does it. It's not the child. I know. think it can be used as a good incentive, though. It always was in our family. Get straight A's, and I'll buy you Final Fantasy two. Well, you know, I was talking to you, I was talking to you guys talking the other day. You know, you got to remember the beginning of these things was was Skinner, B. F. Skinner, the, the the behavioral psychologist who set up these teaching machines. Whereas a child would, you know, it was on a scroll. It wasn't there was nothing digital, nothing like that. But the child would get the answer right. A light would go on, saying basically it didn't say you were right. It was just a light. Kind of like the rats in the Skinner box, but the light would go on. They would know they were right. The scroll would move on, and they'd do the next answer. And these were the basis of of what you see with the math games and the, the kids started playing in, in you know the, the teaching games, you know the ABCs, one two threes, where they had the little balloon fly over, or they'd have the little dog bark, or whatever, whatever they did. That was the basis of it, and the idea was to use positive reinforcement, operant conditioning, to. Operant conditioning, you know, has the other withdrawal. If you want to see, if you want to see rats pressing levers in order to get food or reward, go to Las Vegas, and you will see people <laughs> pressing so levers. True. It's no different. You know, that's how I don't think our I don't think our games are any different. I think when Tyler and I are playing, whether we're playing for score or whether we're playing to unlock a new piece of armor, that it's it's the same principle, correct? Operant Absolutely. conditioning is operant conditioning. And, but you get punishment in there. You get negative reinforcement. I mean, you positive. It's all there, but it's the basis of what Skinner talked about. You know, so it all comes back to that. So, from a, I, I guess I introduced you as a doctor, but you are a psychologist, a clinical neuropsychologist. So, from your perspective, your professional perspective, is it bad, or is it only bad when we do it too much? I don't think anything is inherently bad. I think we make it bad. You know, I think uh, by not putting constraints on things by not, you know, controlling things by not showing some sense of self-discipline. That's what causes the badness of it. Video games themselves aren't bad. It is, aren't violent. You know, just like movies aren't violent. You know, and I can go, you know, I can go back to the NRA. You know, guns don't kill people because a gun is just a benign thing. It's the person that does it. I mean, a gun just kind of sits there. You know, and, and, and I'm not, you know, I'm not pushing, you know, everybody should have a gun or anything like that. But I'm just saying we attribute evil to the wrong thing sometimes. And, and that's unfortunate. Uh, video games aren't inherently bad. Do they have a purpose? Do they have a good side? Of course they do. Can they be problematic and become bad as a result of how we use them? Yes. But that's no different with a car. Cars are good things, but they can become, you know, bad things. Based on what we use them for and how, you know, when the, when the, when the, you know, when the booze runners were running through the South, well, now it's NASCAR. 
But it's the same difference. <laughs> but, but that's where it came from. You know, I mean, that's that's how NASCAR got started. People building up these normal-looking cars to run booze across county lines. To, to beat systems, to beat... So, is it any different? No. Well, we're going to end today on a positive note. Anything you want to kind of throw in here? We're doing a big E3 episode Wednesday, so... Oh, no, I'm just <laughs> glad that I got to, you know, come in for the end of it, so... Well, I figure, you know, we, we've gone about an hour, That's, yeah. uh, and, and you'll get to listen to the beginning of it. Great. Um, but I want to I, I want to end on this, Dad, because we, we, we've talked a lot about it. We, this has been the most serious episode of BitFaced ever, to, awesome. by the way, yeah, but but good and funny. Great. Uh, your favorite games of all time. Run, run through a couple for us. Oh, I like all the <laughs> Zelda games. Because Zelda was pretty... I liked Link. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. He just showed me a tattoo with... Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I like... I like <laughs> have we talked about your tattoo on the cast before? No, I never have. I don't think we have. Yeah, Tyler... The first time I met Tyler, he, he showed me that. And I was like, yeah, we're going to be friends. Yep. We'll, we'll, we'll probably hang out a couple times. So I always thought that was one of the one of the you know coolest games. Was the last one you played um, the one on the N64? The last one I played was Ocarina in Time. Ocarina of Time. Okay, that's so that's the last time you played. Yeah, that's the last time I played... You know, so you didn't pick up the one on the Wii then, because I know you do have a Wii. I yeah, I do have a Wii. I have a Cube too, and a GameCube. Ooh. Okay, I have a GameCube as well. GameCube's uh, a great system. Yeah. yeah. Oh no, it is. Uh, I wish I still had the Intellivision. Me too. I wish, and we, and all those games. Uh, I guess you know the more the, I, favorite games would be the ones that you know I don't. Play, obviously, ones that I've played, and I don't have not played. I've never played Call of Duty. I've never Call played. Duty. No, I've never played. Uh, I've never played those. Um, just because... I you mean, were into Dragon Warrior when we were kids. You liked that. Yeah. King's Quest. King's Quest. Which they're making a new one. And so, Roberta and Ken Williams are on the project, which made me very happy. Because really, yeah. Roberta dropped out she, forever. Yep. She's amazing. And we, we could do a whole podcast about why Roberta left the industry. Mm-hmm. But she's coming back with Ken. Sierra's doing the game. Christopher Lloyd's doing one of the voices. Okay. It should be pretty exciting. It's King Graham again. <laughs> yeah, and that those you know those are the games that I'm you know would have would have remembered and been popular with. I mean, yeah, they used to have in the arcades the, and I never. This may have been one of the first ones. Duck Hunter, remember Duck Hunter? Duck Hunter or Duck Hunt? Duck Hunt, whatever it was called. Where the duck would quack quack quack, and then they would jump up out of the bushes and something. You hit it with the gun. You know that I think that was one of the first games that actually had the gun with had the, the laser for all. Yeah, with the laser kind of. You know, response because we it. had Duck Hunt when we got the eight bit Nintendo, Mario. but they had them in the arcades though before that. Yeah. You're, I think you're thinking of a more realistic version than the plastic Nintendo gun and right. the dog. Oh yeah, yeah. This was a, this is, this is a rifle. I, that I think, he, like you said, it is Duck Hunter. <laughs> like, yeah, Duck Hunter. Yeah, yeah, I think and it, yeah, they had a full rifle. Right, it was a full rifle that you would that you would shoot, and, and, yeah. and, but it, it was a red light going on. I mean, you could actually see the the red light yep. as it hit the the screen. Okay, yeah. So, games like... What, what did you think the first time you ever saw something like Dragon's Lair? I was amazed. I, 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 as a kid, I was blown away. I, I thought, wow, you know, how can You're this controlling be? a cartoon. Exactly right. How can this be? I mean, this is just... And when you break it down, it's really simple. It's You have to hit left at the right time. To, it, you and I, I think you and I played two Christmases ago. You and I busted it out. And we played it. And mm-hmm. it's... When you, when you play it now, it doesn't have the same mystique as when you walked in arcade. And it was the first game that cost a dollar. Yep. It was a buck. It was a dollar. That was a lot back then. That was, was four times. You yeah. could get four plays of Pac-Man for one play of Dragon's Lair. Or Space Ace. Or just the complicated when you used to play these things on a keyboard. 
Remember hitting the up-down buttons and the side... I mean, God. All the Apple IIe games oh, we used to play. Exactly. Spacebar and... Uh, Spacebar. You, you, know, you hit you up, forward, and you think, oh, man, I went the wrong way. And, you know, now that... I mean, the thinking aspect, yeah, I think you're going to be able to think your guy through it one of these days. Why wouldn't you? You might have to wear a little helmet or something. To That's what the Oculus is, basically, yeah, right? A visor. Yeah, yeah, so something I can bring up kind of on that topic real quick... Um, Oculus is it's a visor so it covers your like full it's got surround sound audio um, full visor for for uh, for visual and mixed with that a while ago OCZ the computer parts company was working on something called the NIA neural impulse actuator and it's just a little band and I have a couple I can show them to you sometime we'll play a game with them actually okay and you can you can um you can macro keys to different brain waves and different muscles and muscle tension. And you can, I don't know, uh, I used to play Quake and I would macro stuff. So um, I would turn a corner and maybe blink my eyes and I would fire my gun. And I wish I, we would have brought that over. He would have loved it. <laughs> but, but, that, but that's but yeah, what you're, what you're, what you're, what you're seeing now that you can have availability to. Yep. Pilots have had these in jets. And that's and it, but that's where it starts out. I mean, their helmet is specially designed for their head, yeah. for their brain, and that's how they can control systems within airplanes now. Yeah, and never touch the controls. Yeah, and that's awesome. And yeah. I see no reason why, and I, I don't know, 10, 15 years, why we couldn't have that. And the only reason you can't have it now so. is because money, money, it, oh, because yeah. the cost. The cost would be. But we talked about that. You know, the first system that came out would have cost a hundred thousand dollars if you wanted to have. Space, whatever, space, whatever, space, whatever it is, we decided it was going to be called. We, we've argued over uh, yeah. what the first game actually was. I say computer space, you say space war, space war. Yeah, okay. Well, it, but, it, it wouldn't it wouldn't be a discussion between two male members of the Hollis family if we weren't disagreeing on trivia. So that's and there's only <laughs> only like two of us left. So me and you, that's it. So. <laughs> yeah, me me and you are it. Well, we shouldn't end on a somber note. What uh, what other uh, what. Burger Times one. That's a game oh, I think gosh, of. Burger when time, I think yeah. of you, I was thinking earlier. What games do I think of when I think of Dad? I think of Burger Time. Yeah. Like, I think of the original Bowl. Mario Brothers when I used to convince you to jump in the hole so I could play Pitfall. Pitfall. We you, you and I, I used I to play that together Pit, a lot. I used to play Pitfall. I used to enjoy that game. Um, even the, even the again the the basic one. Again, we were talking about the biplane one. Um, what'd you call it? They had the three triple games. action. So, triple action because you could shoot the little cannons. You had the tanks. And you had the airplanes, and you had the, uh, I don't know what the third oh, one was. God, it was tank, airplane, and was it boat? Could have been a boat. Was it something naval? Maybe a submarine or something? I don't know. We need to But it was up. always the same. I'll, I'll pull basically, that up in a second. Basically, it was all the same thing. It's, the screen changed slightly because of the background. The little thing changed slightly, but the process was exactly the same. You were going along, scrolling along, something would show up, and you'd have to shoot it. Right. I mean, like uh, uh, the, the space one where you would move the, the thing back and forth. Space Invaders. Uh-huh. Same principle. I enjoyed Space Invaders. I thought that was kind of a cool game way back when, when it came out. Oh, yeah. And, and the, or the Intellivision version, Astro Smash. Oh, gosh. I love that Astro Smash. <laughs> but, you know, the, the positive aspect that we go out, you know, as a family to eat, I'd always made sure that I had 4 or $5 in quarters because we knew after we ate at the, you know, Peter Chuck Piper Cheese Pizza or Chuck whatever, Cheese. whatever it was. That's showbiz, showbiz. That's what we were going to do, you know. Uh, well, I remember one of my. I've, I've talked about this on the podcast before, but one of my earliest memories, period, is we were living on artillery in Kansas, and you came home for lunch, 
uh, it was a Saturday. You'd been out running errands, and you said, Eric, you've got to go down to the PX with me. There's this game that just came out called Donkey Kong. You've got to try it. <laughs> so one of, my, one of my earliest memories ever is you coming home and telling me, like, hey, Jeannie, I'm taking Eric down to the PX. We used to... And we that same PX is where you and I fell in love with APB, yes. which yeah. still to this day, I think the most underrated game of all time... If I could buy a cabinet, I would have one in my room right now to play it. Because you and I used to dump quarter after oh, yeah. quarter. APB have you ever it. played APB? I know. It's I phenomenal. It's I don't even know what it is. You're a police officer and you have to arrest people. Like You, you have a thing in front of your car, a reticule. You have to put it on the, the perp. You have to drive through donut shops to get energy. You can upgrade your car. And then you get the perp into the interrogation room and you have to you know, uh, beat the buttons to make him confess. Yeah. <laughs> kind of like track and field style. Yeah, okay. It was phenomenal. APB, phenomenal. Yeah. We used to play that at the same PX. Sure, yeah, yeah, that's one of my earliest gaming memories. I'll actually, I'll end with a story that uh, I think I've told the story on the cast before, but I'll, I'll end with it here anyway. When we moved to Washington, okay. I had no friends. Mom hated the kids in the neighborhood. <laughs> you did too. Not as not as uh, uh, vehemently as mom did, but hated the kids in the neighborhood. Yeah, no friends. Really was kind of to myself. I was, you know, nerdy, small, if you can imagine that. I didn't really get picked on in, in Washington, but I really didn't have many friends. And that Christmas, yeah, it was tiny. <laughs> I, 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 I was I was 4'11", Tyler, until junior year of high school. Yep, wow. And I, I gained a foot in a, in a summer and, and gained about 70 pounds in one summer. And that, that's a story for a different podcast. But that Christmas, um, I came downstairs to an NES... Super Mario, Zelda, Zelda 2, Castlevania, Punch-Out, Bubble Bobble, and something else. And then the, the, the kicker of all of this was dad was my Sunday school teacher at the time, and he bought everyone in the Sunday school class gifts, and I didn't get one. And I, I didn't think it was on purpose, and I wasn't mad at him, but he was like, oh, there's one more present for you from your Sunday school teacher, and it was a copy of Super Mario Brothers 2. Uh-huh. So, still to this day, the best Christmas I've ever had in my life. And I, I often tell you that that's when I, that, that was it for me. If you didn't want a gamer as a son, you shouldn't have, you shouldn't have done that, that Christmas. Because then you left me alone. You, Heather, Melinda, and Mom went to the mountains. And you were like, you know where the bread and the food is? You know, you've got your system, and that's where it all changed, Dad. Because you would have been about 13 or so then. And that's, that's, where it all, that's where it all changed. I mean, I got the job... In high school, that you got me cleaning offices so I could pay for the Super Nintendo on launch day. Everything I've done, I think that Christmas has influenced it, and that's made me a gamer. I think it's made me a better person. It brought you and I closer together because well, we po- started playing. I apologize for all that. <laughs> you apologize that now you're sitting you're sitting on a podcast strictly dedicated to video games. My friendships are based no. a lot on video games. No, I- it's it's been nothing. I, you know me. I'm not athletic. At all. It was something that I was good at. No, and, and that's fine. I think everybody needs to find something in their life that It was something that at. I was good at. And, and there's no judging it. If you're good at it, you're good at it. It doesn't matter what it is. Well, I'm, I'm glad that we... Not, you know, unless you're a hitman or something, then maybe that's what we would say. I'm glad that we got to play together, and I would, I would say we still... We don't play as much as we used to, but you don't play as much as you used to. But I appreciate the fact that you always... That you weren't... You weren't the, the parent that it, this is going to rot your brain and it's ruining your life. You still told me those things, but it was when my grades weren't good. It wasn't <laughs> – you were always very – you were very supportive of it when I was using it as an escape. And you were very supportive of it. And I think that you and I, we got to play a lot together. 
Um, we kind of bonded over it. I think we still kind of do, just like you and I do action movies. And, you know, um, I, I told you I was so sorry that I didn't tell Dad to watch The Raid. We haven't watched it yet. You haven't watched The Raid 2? No, we haven't uh. watched it. We do we have to understand? We've been up in the mountains. We've been, we've been doing, you know... Family stuff. The outdoor movie. stuff that you didn't do when you were little because you were playing video games. Is that what it is? <laughs> no, I'm just I'm just no, we still did a lot of outdoor stuff sure, as kids. Oh, no, never... we always did. You know, Children's Cave. and oh, I remember Children. <laughs> God, that sucked. Um, but, uh, but no, I, I really appreciate you not only coming on the cast today and talking to us, and I'm sorry that Tyler wasn't here longer, but yeah, we'll too. get to talk after we stop, you know, after we stop recording. I, uh, let's see. What time is it? About four. Okay, so I sent you a message, just so you know, at 2.50 that I was outside. Oh, I'm sorry. What, you know, once we... Dad, dad, at 2.40, Dad was like, all right, Eric, we've given him ten minutes longer than we said. And I was like, okay, let's go then. Let's just yep. go. And, you know, you'll, so you'll get to listen to it, and, and, and I wish you were here for the discussion, but at the same time, I'm so really I, glad that you, you came to join us here on the BitCave, because I hope that we look back a hundred episodes from now. I think this is always going to be one of my favorites. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you asking me and thinking that I would have anything of value to contribute. <laughs> I wouldn't be a gamer, and I wouldn't be sitting here if it wasn't for you. Well, I'm glad I could contribute somehow to your life. Well, besides, you know, being my father. (laughs) I understand that. Excellent, excellent. Well, we will be back Wednesday night because there's a lot of things going on starting tomorrow morning uh, with the Xbox uh, conference will start. Tyler and I will be back Wednesday. It's just going to be the two of us only because I think we're going to have more to discuss than we're – we don't even need a guest no, I to talk about everything going on in E3. And I'm sure you saw the announcement that Ryu is going to be part of Smash Brothers. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that. We'll have all, all the press conferences. will be done. You and I sit down with our notes. We'll go over uh, that. So you guys have to look forward to – sorry we took a week off. Um, I know I did the episode with Jordan but we will be back to our weekly schedule after this from the Bit Cave. Lots of exciting guests coming our way. None probably more exciting for me than our guest today. But we will be back with a lot of uh, a lot of great video game knowledge. E three. I mean, this is this is the this is our Christmas, right, Tyler? So yeah. really get to learn about a lot of games. We got Batman coming out in two weeks. Uh, I'm really stoked about everything that's coming out. So thanks for being with us. We are on iTunes now. Please subscribe. It does not cost you a thing. We really appreciate it. You know, we love you guys. You know we're always going to be here for you to give you the best information about video games. The banter, the drunken talk. You guys miss us. Uh, and you love us. And, and we love you too. So yeah, definitely check us out on iTunes. Always going to be BitFaced on Facebook. And we're BitFaced on, on Twitter as well. So anyway, we'll be back in, in just a short couple days. But from the BitCave, um, my dad, Tyler, Eric, Sleazy E, we are out. <laughs>